This is episode number four with Wallace Wong. You're listening to Progression, the passion podcast where we believe passion is the key to unlocking your true potential. I'm Rohit Menon, your very own connector, talking to some of the most passionate rising stars around us who are making their mark in this world. Join me as we dive into the process of tapping into your passions to realize your dreams. What's up, people? Welcome to Progression, the passion podcast where we try to understand the process of how we tap into our passions to realize our goals, dreams, and potential. And today we have a very, very inspiring person here with us. Uh, please welcome, welcome Wallace Wong, known as Six Pack Chef, right? He's a professional chef, fitness athlete, TV personality, and entrepreneur. He's the founder of sixpackchef.com and is also a winner of Chopped and Fridge Wars as well. He's also a host of the Serving It Up podcast, and his ebook, How to Survive a Diet, is out now. You can check it out on his website. And it's awesome. It provides tips uh, and tricks to eat good, look great, uh, and look good and live great, right? And that's your philosophy, right? Thank you so much uh, for your time and presence, Wallace. It's great to have you on the podcast, man. Thank you, Rohit, for that intro. It, it was amazing. Um, thanks for having me. It's great to be on the Progression Podcast. And yeah. Um, curious to ask, Wallace. Um, you have this mix of food and fitness. What is your philosophy when it comes to these two things? They go hand in hand. They literally go hand in hand. You can't, if you want to live a healthy lifestyle, it's all about what you fill your body with, right? And um, right. It's the same thing. And if you want to live and vice versa, to live a healthy lifestyle, you have to have some fitness in you. You have to, you know, you got to train. Just like, like you talked about Gary Vee, you got to do the push-ups. You got to do the push-ups. You got to go to the gym. You can't just ask yeah. or wish for it. So yeah, they go hand in hand. Right. And then that's how you you kind of have built such a story behind this. And, you know, you're, you're furthering that through the Serving It Up podcast as well. You know, I have a feeling if we need to understand more about you and your story, uh, we need to delve into uh, your fight with cancer many, many years ago, right? Uh, and and uh, I don't know if this is the start where all of these uh, endeavors started, but would you please tell us a bit about that and how that shaped you? Yeah, um, I guess long story short was when I was 17, it was my last year of high school, I got diagnosed with cancer and um, I went through six months of chemo and radiation, but I still continued to go to school. And now throughout that whole thing, the biggest thing that I learned was that it was the first time that I felt like, you know, life was done. You could, it was that instant, that little quick thing of like God, God, whoever you want to believe would, was like, hey, Wallace, do something with your life or I can just take it away from you if you want, if you want, if I want to. And for me, that really changed a lot of things. It changed a lot of things of the word YOLO at that moment was something that happened that came up at the same time. You know, you only live once. And it was a big thing. It's a big thing. It's honestly, that's true. And that allowed me to take opportunities and do things. And cancer has always been, and I tell people it's the most, it's the hardest thing that I'm ever going to overcome or ever, hardest thing I'm ever going to do. But it's also one of the most blessings that I've ever had in my life. What I mean by that is because it made me really cherish life, cherish everything about life. 
um, no regrets, nothing like that. And the only thing that I always say that I wish never happened from cancer was the idea that I was bringing people sadness or hurting people in a negative way because of my existence in regards to, you know, just someone seeing me going through chemo or, you know, that pity kind of vibe. And that was something that I hated. That was the one thing I hated because I couldn't control it. So for me, the only way to control or like overcome that was to be cancer so that I couldn't, I didn't let people be sad anymore, if that makes sense. So yeah, that, was a big that does thing. make sense. Yeah. And I guess that was a really, really big thing of, like you said, going through all my endeavors is because I went through, I went through cancer. I went through seeing loved ones, people I don't know, people I do know feel sad and upset and whatever because of me. So because of that, go into two post-secondary institutions. So if, if it, for anybody who knows that or doesn't know that, is that I went to business school, but then on my second year, I decided to do culinary school also because I was missing cooking school. So I did, I graduated mm -hmm. and I did my culinary school and my business school together. So two separate post-secondary things. Yeah, so I did that. And then whether it's going to doing like fitness and training and competing at the same time while working in restaurants or working in some of the best restaurants in the world, all that stuff, 18 hours, 16 hour days, all that, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to seeing your family, your mom, your grandmother, um, your dad, grown adults look at you and just cry because you're just there. Um, if that ever hits somebody, you'll understand why then that it's okay. You might have a bad day at work or, you know, today a customer might have yelled at you or something like that. But to see that, that's a different story. That's a different game. So, I mean, that's amazing. Uh, such adversity uh, that taught you so, so many lessons earlier on in life. And now you're living life or you try to live life to the fullest. That's why you also have this lifestyle aspect to food and fitness as well to show others that yeah. it is the life to live great. Uh, take this life to live great, yeah. right? That's awesome. I'm glad you're still here with us. I mean, to share this passion uh, with others, you know, that's that's great. You're clearly a fighter. Uh, and and what I want to ask then is, how did that adversity turn into uh, your passion for becoming a chef? Uh, you know, because going into being a chef is not very easy. It's very military-like. You're going into, yes, like you said, 16, 18-hour workdays. Uh, and you've worked at the best restaurants in the world. So what made you decide to become uh, a chef? I never wanted to be a chef, to be honest. Um, but food has just been part of my life. I'm, I'm Chinese, I'm Cantonese. So food has been like the center of my upbringing, my family. Some of my most happiest memories were from food. And it just, just was that. I, my, my grandparents... Um, my grandmother worked in a restaurant before she hates it she always tells people if you ever want to get revenge on someone send their loved one into the industry and she'll be like you'll be good that's like that's how bad my family doesn't like the industry right uh, I had some family members work in restaurants my dad worked in hotel management so he sort of got into restaurant stuff and I grew up in like, you know, uh, like a takeout Chinese restaurant folding, takeout boxes, that nuclear red, sweet and sour sauce. Um, but I never wanted to be a chef, honestly. It was not something I want to do in, uh, it was not something that was in my mind. I always just wanted to own and be my own boss, as cliche as it sounds. And that's why I went to business school. That's why I went to business school is because I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
And I think for anyone who's watching, um, that's a big thing is I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't, I wasn't one of those people who like graduated high school. I knew I'm going to be this, kind of go to this school, graduate this and do this. And I know nothing. I just knew that I wanted to do something on my own some way. And business was something that was universal regardless what I ended up doing. And then just so happened that, you know, I missed cooking, ended up doing, going to culinary school. I also was, I want to say good at it. I was good at it in, a, in, a, in enough that it allowed me to, you know, be better than some other people for competitions or things. And there was a point in my life where I really wanted to be like the best chef in the world. Meaning I wanted, you know, to have the Michelin stars, to have people wait one year reservations to come eat at my restaurant. And that's why I worked in those places. Like I worked at Noma, I worked at Alinea, I worked at some of the best restaurants in the world. And I see, and I've been around these guys and at the end of the day, they're still putting in 16, 18 hours, all that kind of stuff. And it was, it's nothing against the industry, but it's for me, it's because of, I guess, my outlook on life with cancer, that there were certain things that I wouldn't be able to do if I worked in the restaurant industry. Meaning I won't be able to do this right now. I wouldn't be able to talk to you. I wouldn't be able to have a Friday, Saturday night with like, you know, friends or family. Um, so that was a very big thing. So that's why I ended up leaving. And I got sort of got onto this uh, trend of now showing people that you don't have to be a chef in a restaurant to be a chef. Most people, they always think to be a chef, you have to be in a restaurant, serve people, have a menu and all this. And especially mm -hmm. with social, especially with COVID, it was a great example. Chefs that can't be in the restaurant, people can't go to the restaurant. What are the chefs are learning that they have to adapt and they have to pivot. And restaurants learn, have to learn how to pivot. And more and more so, that's, um, that's a big thing. So to answer your question, this whole giant loop, I never wanted to be a chef. Uh, food, is, food and just cooking has allowed me to reach people. It's a platform and a channel for me to reach people and tell my story. So yeah. And so <clears throat> you um, went for a career uh, in, in, um, in restaurants and then you, you went out of it. And so most people get stuck in going out and trying something new. What was, um, what made you and what gave you that confidence to move ahead and go for something so risky like entrepreneurship uh, and, and being a TV personality and so, so on. So um, it's not a very easy thing to do for people. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you so much for listening to Progression, the passion podcast from Connect. We are on a journey to empower the passionate people of this world. Our community is now present in over 25 universities in the US, Canada, and Europe. Please do follow us at Connect Official on Instagram. That's K-N-C-T for Connect. We hope you find inspiration with us. Yeah, entrepreneurship sucks. It sucks. For anyone who's trying to thinks it's glamorous, it's not. It's lonely, it's anxiety. It's, you control your own life, which is great at the same time. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me twisted. It sucks, but it's also amazing. And um, for people who might like your introduction or people who don't know me and then go look at my, my website or look at any of my socials like TikTok or Instagram, all that kind of stuff, they'll be like, yo, this guy's great. This guy's on like, he's been on Top Chef. He's been on Food Network. He's done all this thing. This guy's successful. He's that. I'm not. Dude, I drive a Ferrari. I mean, I drive a Corolla, not a Ferrari. You know what I mean? Like, 
I rent. I don't buy. I don't have a house. I don't. I'm not flashy. Um, but what it, what it is is that people might see all the success right now. But it's something that I've been do, building for the last ten years. Um, it's a big thing. So it's funny. The reason you brought up Gary Vee was a very good one. Was I've started following Gary when I heard one of his first videos. It was like, "Thank God it's Monday" or something like that. I, I believe it was that one. And for me, it was he was one of the first people that I heard that was saying things that I thought and I sort of knew, but no one ever talked to, talked about it in that way. Or people who did talk about it never got that support or never hit as much uh, the way that Gary did. And he talks about tasting, and that was a and no pun intended. But the last ten years of my life, ten, eleven, whatever you want to call it, has been tasting. So when I did the cooking and I tried, you know, being in the restaurants, the Michelin stars, all that stuff. I spent a good four to five, my first early, late night, late teens to early twenties. I didn't have what people, you know, I didn't have a party phase. I didn't have a, a a hoe phase or any of that. I was cooking. I was cooking and working when everybody was partying and clubbing on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. I was in the restaurant making dishes and cleaning and all that. Um, so I was tasting for that first time, and then when I left, I tried. I taught cooking classes, like in-person cooking classes. I did uh, special events. I did catering. I did um, personal training. I did meal prep. I did consulting. I've done uh, product development. I've tried all these things, and none of them have been extremely successful. None of them have, and some have failed crazily. But what I'm saying is that it's this mix. It's this mix of tasting and trying and figuring out what do I like, what I don't like. I learned something from every single thing that I've tried, and I've taken the things that worked or things that I learned and improved on, and then I put them all together to what everybody sees right now as Six Pack Chef. So in the beginning, Six Pack Chef was like, what is Six Pack Chef? Six Pack Chef was just like another alias. It was like a, it was like a username. It was a username that then became. More than that, it became me. It became, six Pack Chef is a direct representation of me. So, meaning eat good, look good, live great. All things food, health and fitness, lifestyle, motivation, inspiration, entrepreneurship. That's the jam. And in a way, originally most people would be like, okay, so you're gonna open a restaurant, right? Or, or are you gonna do a meal prep company? Whenever anyone that doesn't know me meets me, it's like, oh, you must be a meal prep company. Or oh, where's your restaurant? I'm like, I don't have a restaurant. I don't do meal prep, and they're like, "Oh, so, so what do you do?" And more and more so, Six Pack Chef has become now—I、uh, like to call it a media company, like a media company that focuses on those three pillars. So it could be a fitness brand, it could be a food brand, it could be sort of you know consulting for brands and companies and marketing. All these things come together, and they all intertwine. What I mean by this is, I'm trying to find. Avenues where, say, a food company, right? Now I can show them. I can make you a recipe. I can now also shoot photography for you, shoot videos. But if you, if your brand wants to market and do something even more special, we can do a special event where I come and I cook for something, where we can make this a sort of campaign. That's a big thing. Same thing with fitness brands, right? Fitness brands, like if it's a supplement, most people you see people hold a Fit Tea or like you know those coffee mask scrubs and take a nice photo of themselves for Instagram. But for a supplement company or like a big giant guy, you know, they'll be like, "I take this protein shake. Look at my guns! Like you're gonna get this big." No, I come on and I can be like, "Hey, this is a supplement. Let me show you how I can make a recipe with it." 
but not like your typical protein shakes or stuff. Let me put like a creative chef spin on it. And once again, let me do a re- let me do a recipe. Let me do a video. And because I know health and fitness, and because I compete, I also bring in that um, I also bring in that legitimacy. That okay, it's not like some random guy making dishes. This is actually a really tasty dish or something like that. And yeah, so it does. And yeah, so that's pretty it. I think what I've learned from that is you've tried so many things in from basically from 20 to 30 right now, and you just know so many things. Now you've intertwined all of your, uh, let's say, interests and passions into something that is that is actually viable and can make uh, make you alive and help others as well, right? Uh, what I want to ask then is, with everything that you did, you competed. You, uh, for Chopped, you became a champion. For Fridge Wars, you became a champion. Then you went to even uh, qualifiers uh, and, and even going to natural bodybuilding, right? Is it, is it like a curiosity or some fire within you that makes you want to try these new things and makes you want to compete at a world stage even? Because people can try new things. You can go to the gym, uh, but competing for natural bodybuilding is something else. You want to compete at a world stage. You want to push yourself. And what is that inner fire? How do you harness that? What is it that motivates you to do that? Yeah, so um, first off, I competed in the open. So it's not the natural bodybuilding, but I, it was a national bodybuilding. Uh, but okay. um, I'm competitive. I'm so competitive. I love competing. I love basketball. Um, I love proving people wrong. I love the whole... You know the, like, those like magic moments, like sometimes you watch sports sports movies and like you know Friday Night Lights, or whether it's like Coach Carter, or if you watch um, uh, the Michael Jordan documentary or the Vince Carter documentary. All those things are things that I love. Like I grew up with sports. I played football. I played basketball. Um, and honestly, it's what made me go on these things is a being competitive. B they're things that I enjoyed. So. I started competing in bodybuilding and fitness because I was a fat kid growing up. Like if anybody knows the movie Up, um, I'm that fat kid in that movie. I'm honestly that fat kid. So um, I lost the weight and everything, but I never got to that level, you know, that everybody has a a certain ideal physique or something that I want to look. And for me, it was being accountable and having that dedication and all that stuff. And bodybuilding and competing was that, was that, a goal that that was what allowed me to you know figure out nutrition learn about diet and i also as much as i'm competitive i'm also scared and shy as hell meaning if you if anybody who watches like bodybuilding or stuff we're on stage pretty much naked like we have a speedo on like we have a posing trunk on some people will call it speedos whatever you want to call it imagine if you're on stage with 10 other guys or whatever they look amazing and you don't that scares the crap out of me and makes me feel so uncomfortable. So when I'm dieting for a show or something like that, and I really want to eat that extra spoon of ice cream, or I want that burger, or I'm craving a cheat or don't want to work out. I think of what if I'm standing on that stage and looking at pictures and I don't want to be a meme. How does, I think that's a cool way to say it. It's like, I don't want to be a meme. Get, you get what I mean? Yeah. So that was a big one. And then for cooking, Cooking competitions is, I'm, I, I want to show people that you don't have to be a chef in a restaurant, like I said, but also I enjoy it. And a big thing was going on Top Chef Canada, 
I actually had to do a lot of convincing in my auditions to the producers to put me on the show. Because Top Chef Canada and, and Top Chef in general is like the creme de la creme. It's the best of the best. These are the chefs of the chefs, just like chef's table, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, why, are we, why should we give you a spot when you don't cook in a restaurant? You haven't cooked in restaurants for like eight years. You, you know, sure you were on Chopped, but that doesn't do anything. Um, you, you've, you're a fitness guy per se. And why should we give you that spot and take someone else who's a chef that does this for a living cook might've cooked at some of the even greater places and like do this on a daily basis. And I'm like, it's because I don't do that, that I bring this different vibe. I bring this different vibe allows me creativity and everything. And um, a little spoiler alert is I ended up becoming, I got to the finals. So I was a finalist for Top Chef Canada. So I beat 14 or I was at the top, I was top 14 of obviously the whole show, 14 of the best chefs in Canada. I came third, technically, if you read some of the reddits or anything or whatever, I should have been, I should have been in that finals. I wanted to, but um, yeah, like to be able to prove to people that you didn't have to if, real quick. I don't know if, how time is, but I remember when top chef Canada posted out a little video of my intro of my intro is just like who I am, showing who I am, introducing me to the platform, the audience, anyone that's going to watch. This one individual wrote and replied on a comment and he was like, this guy, this guy's going to be here. He's not going to last until more than episode three. What he's going to do, make chicken and broccoli. And then I remember, cause I, I was a very, I, I, I got really into the socials and everything like that. What I mean by that, I was making, I wanted to create a community. I knew I was going to be on the show. Um, unlike Chopped, I didn't, I thought like when I was on Chopped, it was my first TV thing. So I thought I was going to be on TV. People are going to watch it. I'm going to become the next superstar. No one gives a damn. No one cares about you after it's aired. You're a cricket. It's crickets. So I learned from there that unless you put in the effort to want to promote and build a brand or a community or something like that, and especially if I don't have a restaurant, no one's coming to see me if I don't have a restaurant, like some other chefs do. Yeah. So I had to do something. So I created, like, I really got my socials up, um, started building a community, Team Six Pack Chef, Team Wallace kind of thing, did, like, viewing parties and stuff. So I would, doesn't matter, as long as someone takes Top Chef Canada or anything, I would be there and I would talk and I would engage with the people, with the viewers. Or So on, on the Food Network's yeah. site, when they posted that, I was engaging with everybody. And then when I saw that guy's comments, I'm like, I'm like, hey, thanks for the support. Hope you're going to enjoy the season. Hopefully, I last longer than episode three or something like that. So that's something really, like, I'm, I always try to look at things on a positive. I'm, I don't like negativity. Um, it's so draining. So anyways, I knew I was going to already pass episode three because I knew the show was already set and filmed. And then I remember when episode three finished, I went back to that comment and I simply wrote, I'm like, thank God I made it past episode three. And then he replied back and he's like, Hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, you definitely like, you definitely surprised me. And like, I'm a fan, I'm rooting for you. And that's what I mean. That's a cool thing. So it's almost like you can harness uh, competition, but also uh, the fear of, of competing in these things to motivate you further uh, to try new things. And, and that's great. Also proving to others that things 
that they don't seem in their mind is possible is actually possible. You can actually do it. That's awesome, man. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your philosophy of uh, of um, eat good, uh, look good, and live great, right? Uh, how can people embody that lifestyle? And do you have some like fun- fundamental ways that that people can embody that lifestyle? What are the steps for you? First step is you got to be self-aware, self-aware of yourself. If you look into the mirror and you're like, I don't look like, I don't look great. Or you wake up and you're like, I feel so groggy. I don't feel healthy. You have to know that. No one's going to, no one can force somebody to eat a strict diet or nobody can force you, like you said, to go to the gym or the fitness center to do the weights. You got to do it yourself. So that's a big first thing, which is self-aware. For me, I was self-aware where I was a fat kid. I didn't like I didn't like the fact that I was bullied. I wanted to make the basketball team. I wanted girls to like me. That was a that was like that first self-awareness, right? And then food and health and nutrition came up where okay, well, if I want to get fit, I need to change that. So self-awareness is a very big thing. One step uh, step two is start with the basics a lot of people jump right into um i'm gonna new year's resolutions those are the best examples january 1st i'm gonna cut all my crap i'm only gonna eat salad and chicken and broccoli i'm gonna go to the gym one hour every day i'm gonna do my cardio and it's too much it's way too overwhelming so step two is start with the fundamental basics figure out what's what out of everything that you need to do is the easiest for you to implement and make routine. So for instance, from a diet perspective, simply make a routine of eat one less chocolate bar every day. Like if you eat a chocolate bar every day, eat one less every day, even doing that, you will already automatically, if you compound it for the rest of the year, you would have eaten way less than you would have done and changed nothing except for that. So something as small as taking away something you know in your regular diet that's not good, eating, taking it away or cutting it in half or something like that. That's a big, yeah. another good one, for example, if you're going to do fitness is I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to go for a 20-minute walk. Or it could be I'm going to wake up and do this three times a week. Do whatever you think you can to start. The key is the start. And that was a big one. That's a big thing. And then, so step one, self-aware. Step two, start with the basics and get it. And step three is don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. A lot of people, they start some of these things because they're shy. They're, 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 you know, they lack that self-awareness. They don't know. They don't want to tell somebody, hey, I'm trying to lose weight. They'll be like, why are you trying to lose weight? Or some people are also scared because it makes them now accountable. So for me, when I got onto Instagram, I got on Instagram because of fitness, where, you know, sometimes some people will be like, why do you keep posting your, your progress pictures or photos or stuff like that about, you know, when you're competing? And for me, it's because it keeps me accountable to somebody or some, something, meaning if I'm telling you I'm competing in five weeks, but I, you, you see me sleeping every day, going, eating pizza and everything, there's a problem there. And then come five weeks, if I do end up competing and I look like crap, 
they'd be like, well, you're eating pizza all this time and all this stuff. So it's accountability. So being able to go and seek help and showing people, um, find help. You know, if you need somebody for diet and everything, go hire um, a meal prep company or a coach or learn to cook. That's one thing. Another one is if your fitness is go get a gym membership or get a personal trainer or hire a coach. All these little things, they'll compound and constantly add. Um, it's that thing of like, you can't build a wall. You can't build a wall right at day one. But it's easier to build a wall when you're like, okay, all I'm just going to do is put one brick, one brick, one brick, one brick, one brick. Will Smith, um, he said that. That was something that's been on my mind ever since I was a kid. It's something I thought about when I, was, when I was dealing with cancer. It was like, I just got to take it day by day. Take it day by day and make every day the best that it can. And eventually I'll look back and I'll be like, whoa, I've got this amazing, amazing thing. And that's a big one. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. So many nuggets of gold in there. Uh, uh, hopefully everyone got it. Three points. Uh, that's amazing. You know, I think living life uh, in your own control, uh, if, when you're in control of your life, you also have the sacrifices, you have the risks, but you also live happier. Uh, how can others, uh, you think, find their true passion? Because there's so many out there. There's so many things you can get uh, gravitated towards. Uh, what do you think is the steps for people to get um, get to know what their true passions are and how can they find it? I think a question is you got to ask what would you want to do every day regardless if you're getting paid or not that you would want to do and be happy doing? That's a great start. So it doesn't matter what yeah. it is. doesn't matter what it is. It could be as absurd as it is. But once you find that, that's what you should go for. And then the next step is figuring out how you can turn that into something that you can live off of, something that can, you know, monetize, bring you money and all that. And that's where Six Pack Chef comes from. I love food. I'm a fat kid. I like to eat, but I like to cook. I like fitness because A, I'm competitive, but B, I've always wanted to get into a great shape and I enjoy going to the show. I love looking finally looking good, right? And living great is, I, I love being able to chat with people, being able to talk to people, um, tell my story, being able to see such positive stuff, see other entrepreneurs or business people or athletes or anybody do something. Everybody loves seeing somebody do good, right? And that's where Six Pack Chef comes from. And it's, it's still evolving. It's still evolving of trying to make it something where I'm doing on a daily basis that I enjoy. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. What is next for you in your, I mean, you've built so much, you've built a wall basically, and you're keeping on building it. Hopefully it becomes a great wall. Uh, I really hope so. Uh, and, and we can see you at the million followers, you know, a big consulting company. I really hope so. And so what is next for you in that progression towards your goals? What's happening next? What, uh, what is happening? Yeah. Well, you brought something up, which was kind of crazy, which was that you said like a million followers. Um, I, I have no problem in saying and telling people as much as I'm one way or the other, I'd love to have a million followers and everything like that. And, it's great, but I also have to learn, and I've always learned, and I still um, deal with it, is also knowing that 
you don't need a million followers. I know people that have a million followers that can't sell a single thing because no one's there to buy whatever you want to buy. No one cares what you're doing. You just look good or whatever like that. I want to be able to, if I get tons of followers or have a great community, I don't even call them followers. I call them supporters. Um, and I bring value to them. That's all that really matters. Value in ways for, I want to be able to, at the end of the day, if I leave this earth, um, Sit, let's hypothetically look that I'm like looking down from heaven and like there's just like my celebration of life, you know? And then there'd be people there that I've never met in my life, but they might be there because they're like, yeah, I'm here to pay my respects to, to Wallace or um, because he actually influenced my dad or my, my mom or, and like they made this company and which is why I can live this great life. They always tell me about him and all this stuff. Something like, it's very, very like, Far-fetched, maybe. It sounds a little far-fetched, but that would be like something you can really feel good about. And I think, and this is something I want to bring up also, is from cancer, there was something that I really believed, which was we have one life, right? We've got one life. And I truly believe that our responsibility as a human being is that every day, if we are alive and we're kicking and we're breathing, that we should be able to positively influence somebody in some way, at least one person. It can be saying hi, being like, hey, Rohit, or like me being on this, on this podcast or opening a door, um, paying it forward, doesn't matter what it is. As long as it, at any point in your life that you're alive and at that one day you do not positively influence somebody, that's when I think that we don't deserve to live. But as long as every day you influence somebody, you have every right to live your life and make everything happen. So for me, what's next is constantly still building and trying to reach and positively influence as many people as I can. And at this current moment, Six Pack Chef is what I'm using as the platform. Is it gonna change? I don't know. It might, it might not. It all depends, right? You go with the punches. You go with the punches and you pivot as life goes. And that's, that's really what I want to do. I really want to do is still be able to show people eat good, look good, live great. The three things that I'm, I'm going to try to use to just reach out to more people and make someone's life better. Because who knows, after me being on this podcast, um, someone's going to listen to this. They might take something and then they go and then tell it to somebody or they do something and that becomes this big thing. And it just, just snowballs, right? And that's the whole game plan. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm actually speechless because uh, you put it so beautifully. And I think uh, that's it for this podcast. I don't have anything more to ask you. You, you really did amazing.